This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. From the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels and his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. The Gospel of the Lord. That passage from Matthew 16 includes a fundamental teaching from Jesus about the conditions of authentic discipleship. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That is expressed similarly earlier in Matthew 10, twice in the Gospel of Luke, and once in the Gospel of Mark. I presume that that teaching is repeated through these Gospels because of the, its importance for Jesus' first disciples. I personally guess that it's repeated because Jesus repeats it many times to his disciples throughout their years together. I know that that teaching is repeated an uncountable number of times by any authentic growing disciple of Jesus today. We come back to that passage over and over again in the daily, weekly, monthly life of our parish community. Once again in that passage, Peter is one of the central characters, or the central character. Three weeks ago, we heard the episode of Jesus' walking on the water, Peter's asking Jesus to allow him to do the same, Jesus' giving him that grace, then Peter's beginning to sink because he focuses on the wind. He's saved by Jesus. Jesus describes him as someone who at that moment has little faith. And he also asks Peter, why did you doubt? Last week, we heard the subsequent account in which Jesus, Peter, I should say, professes that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter is then told what his future will be. He's given a unique leadership position from Jesus in the church for the church. He's told that he is the rock upon whom the church will be built. Peter, when you combine both of those episodes, both of those real experiences, is a work in progress. And Peter is going to continue to be a good work in progress throughout the rest of his life. So that today, we're hearing Matthew 16, 21 20 to 27. This follows immediately after last week's passage in which Peter is proclaimed the rock upon whom Jesus will build his church. Remember, 
At the end of last week's passage, as I just said, after Peter has correctly declared that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus strictly orders Peter and the other disciples not to tell anyone at this time that he's the Christ. Because at this time, at this point in their following Jesus, they don't nearly, they can't nearly understand the full reality of who he is as the Messiah. Very specifically, they can't know anything at this point about the dynamic of Jesus's future passion, death, and resurrection through which who he is is fully revealed. Much still is to come unfolding for them about Jesus. So at this point, Matthew tells us Jesus begins to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. Jesus begins to teach them, to tell them, that he is going to be killed, and on the third day, he's going to be raised. You and I understand that. That's the core of our faith as Christians, the way that God ultimately brings salvation into this fallen, sinful world, ultimately, is through the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, through Jesus' living the fullness of love into the depth of sin and death itself. The disciples, to repeat, can't possibly understand any of that at this point. It hasn't taken place yet. They can hear the words that Jesus speaks, but there is no way that they can understand it. So to me, and I hope to you, it's not at all surprising to me to hear how Peter responds in the passage we just heard. Peter loves Jesus. Peter wants no harm to come to Jesus. Peter believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, God's Savior. And he believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How could it possibly be, from Peter's perspective at this point, that the Messiah would suffer or the Messiah would be killed? Peter takes Jesus aside and he rebukes him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. God forbid. May God the Father never allow Jesus to suffer greatly and be killed. This completely makes sense from Peter's point of view at this time. It is not the truth from God's point of view. It is the opposite of God's point of view. So I think that explains, well, I am confident, that explains Jesus's exceedingly strong response to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Remember in Matthew 4, when Jesus is being tempted by Satan in the desert, he says, get away, Satan. It's the same core verb in Greek. I don't think Peter is being described literally by Jesus as Satan. What I'm confident is that there's nothing more, that's, nothing that Satan wants more than for Jesus to turn away from the passion through which he'll save the world and defeat Satan forever. When Peter says a passion for Jesus, a cruel death for Jesus will never happen to Jesus, Peter is completely unwitt unwittingly siding with Satan. You are an obstacle to me, Jesus says to Peter. If Jesus does what Peter wants him to do, not enter into his passion, 
it will trip up Jesus. That's what the word literally means in Greek. Peter, you are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Exactly. Peter does not at this time see or understand things as God does. So particularly because that is such a graspable passage, and if you don't have it in your head, you can simply reopen your Bible, print this out, pull it up on your device this week. And what I encourage you to do is a very straightforward spiritual exercise. This is a very good exercise I have found for people who are trying to grow in familiarity, in praying with the scripture. And I ask you to just trust me on this. And if you can, just do this and see what the results are. Take out this passage this week, ideally in your prayer time every day. Simply read it and imagine yourself as Peter in the passage. It might actually be good to go back a little bit and read last week's passage about Peter's very first confession of Jesus as the Christ and his being told he will be the rock, or he is the rock. Imagine yourself in this week's passage in Peter's position. Read and slowly reread back and forth Peter's dialogue with Jesus. Putting yourself in Peter's position, just straight out, how do you react to Jesus's rebuking you on such strong terms? Really, if you're not accustomed to doing this, I invite you to try this. Are you upset putting yourself in Peter's position, imagining yourself there and hearing what Jesus says to you? Are you embarrassed, confused, shaking your head? Are you in turmoil imagining yourself in that position? You, if you're imagining yourself as Peter, you really have basically left everything to follow Jesus. You have had dramatic ups and downs in your relationship with Jesus. He just told you that you're the rock upon whom he's going to build his church, and now he's rebuking you as Satan. How do you, as Peter, react? Then continue to remain in that scene in your imagination and listen to what Jesus tells Peter. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You've heard, Peter has heard this before, and you've heard this before. But Peter and you in his place hear it again anew in the midst of this specific situation. Jesus is saying, if you really want to follow me, you must deny yourself. You must get yourself out of the center of your life and put me there. What does this mean for Peter now in this account? Take up your cross. Accept the passion involved in following me right now. What does this mean for Peter in this passion passage? Follow me. If you want to authentically follow me, follow me. Persist in following me. What does that mean in this specific situation as you imagine yourself in Peter's position? Stay as much as you possibly can in Peter's place this week. Put yourself in his position. Listen to what Jesus says so directly about the conditions of authentic discipleship. 
What does this concretely mean for Peter right now? What kinds of choices does Peter need to make when he hears what Jesus says? To encourage you in this, this is the end of Matthew 16, this passage. The very next passage, the beginning of Matthew 17, will tell us or remind us that six days later, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a high mountain by themselves where they witness Jesus' transfiguration. We celebrated this a few weeks ago. The revelation of God's glory in Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus in company with Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, and the direct voice of God the Father telling them who Jesus is and what they must do. What Peter does after he's rebuked by Jesus in response to Jesus' repetition of the conditions of authentic discipleship in the nitty-gritty, hard situation in which he finds himself must be very good because Peter is still with Jesus. He does follow Jesus, and he's there to receive and enter into the gift of the transfiguration. So to repeat and conclude, if everything is going great in your life right now, I am extremely happy for you and I hope it continues. But if right now you're experiencing trouble, turmoil, unsettling questions, fear, unhappiness, particularly if times are not necessarily great for you right now, I invite you this week during your prayer time to just put that aside for a while. Accept the gift of this passage and put yourself into Peter's concrete circumstances. Do this each day. If you do this, I feel confident that there may end up being a very direct spiritual connection between Peter's life here and yours. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.